They're here, everyone. They are the smart kids at the shops with their mothers or fathers, riding their bikes around the streets and playing down by the river, as well as talking to their friends on their smartphones. Join the smart kids each week as they discover, explore, and solve the mysteries of today. Here's your host, J.T. Crowley. Hello, and welcome to another podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the last podcast where I was reading Chapter 2 of um, The Wind in the Willows by Kenneth Graham. And of course, the previous week I was reading Chapter 1. Well, this week I have decided I'm going to skip a couple of chapters and I'm going to go to Chapter 6. And that chapter is called Mr. Toad. As I said to you all along, kids, anybody who's listening, this is a wonderful fabulous, amazing book. And it's a book that I thoroughly enjoyed when I was a young child. And of course, you know, it's all about the characters of uh, Badger, Mr. Toad, Mole, Ratty, all down by the riverside. And Mr. Toad's extravagant behaviour is just all part of this wonderful story that's been written by Kenneth Graham. Um... So, for some of you in America who listen to this show, I understand that you probably don't recognise this author or probably have never read this book, but I highly recommend it to you. Go and have a look. It's a wonderful book all about the four characters messing about. Simply messing about on the river. It's a great, great story. So this week I'm going to read you chapter 6 and the chapter is called Mr. Toad. There you go. So let's read a little excerpt and you can listen to the, uh, the storyline and hopefully see what you think. But I, you know, I hopefully um, wish that you would then either go and buy the book or go and download it because it's a great, great Simple story, but it's a fun story. Anyway, here we go. This is an excerpt from um, chapter six in the book, and the chapter's called Mr. Toad. This is in the middle of the book, so I've done two chapters from the first, from the start of the book, two chapters in the middle of the book, and then I'll do two chapters from the end. And that'll be the readings for, um, uh, you know, Wind in the Willows by Kenneth Graham. Here goes. Mr. Toad, Chapter 6. It was a bright morning in the early part of summer. The river had resumed its wonted banks and its accustomed pace, and a hot sun seemed to be pulling everything green and bushy and spiking up out of the earth towards him, as if by strings. The mole and the water rat had been up since dawn, very busy on matters connected with boats and the opening of the boating season, painting and varnishing, mending paddles, repairing cushions, hunting for missing boat hogs, and so on, and were finishing breakfast in their little parlour and eagerly discussing their plans for the day when a heavy knock sounded at the door. Bother, said the rat all over egg. See who it is, Mole, like a good chap since you've finished. The Mole went to attend the summons. 
and the rat heard him utter a cry of surprise. Then he flung open the parlour door open and announced with much importance, Mr. Badger. This was a wonderful thing indeed that the badger should pay a formal call on them or indeed on anybody. He generally had to be caught if you wanted him badly as he slipped quietly along a hedgerow of an early morning or a late evening or else hunted up in his own house in the middle of the wood which was a serious undertaking. The badger strode heavily into the room and stood looking at the two animals with an expression of full of seriousness. The rat let his egg spoon fall on the tablecloth and sat open mouthed. Oh! The hour has come, said the badger at last with great solemnity. Um, what hour? asked Rat uneasily, glancing at the clock on the mantelpiece. Whose hour, you should rather say, replied the badger. Why, Toad's hour, the hour of Toad. I said I would take him in hand as soon as the winter was well over, and I am going to take him in hand today. Toad's hour, of course, cried the mole delightfully. Hooray! I remember now, well, teach him a sensible Toad. This very morning, continued the badger, taking an armchair, as I learnt last night from a trustworthy source, another new and exceptionally powerful motor car will arrive at Toad Hall on approval or return. At this very moment, perhaps Toad is busy arraying himself in those singularly hideous habiliments so dear to him which transforms him from a comparatively good-looking toad into an object which throws any decent-minded animal that comes across it into a violent fit. We must be up and doing. Er, uh, it is too late. You two animals will accompany me instantly to Toad Hall, and the work of rescue shall be accomplished. Right you are, cried Rat. Starting up, well, rescue the poor unhappily animal. We'll convert him. He'll be the most converted toad that ever was before we've done with him. They set off up the road on their mission of mercy, Badger leading the way. Animals, when in a company, walk in a proper and sensible manner, in single file instead of sprawling all across the road and being of no use or support to each other in case of sudden trouble or danger. They reached the carriage drive of Toad Hall to find, as Badger had anticipated, a shiny new motor car of great size painted in bright red, Toad's favourite colour, standing in front of the house. As they neared the door, it was flung open, and Mr. Toad, arrayed in goggles, cap, gaiters, and enormous overcoat, came swaggering down the steps, drawing on his gauntleted gloves. Hello! Come on, you fellows, he cried, cheerfully on catching sight of them. You're just in time to come with me for a jolly 
to come for a jolly, for a, oh, jolly. His hearty accents faltered and fell away as he noticed the stern, unbending look on the countenance of his silent friends, and his invitation remained unfinished. The badger strode up the steps. Take him inside, he said sternly to his companions. Then, as Toad was hustled to the door, struggling and protesting, he turned to the chauffeur and charge of the new motor car. Mr. Badger said, I'm afraid you won't be wanted today. Mr. Toad has changed his mind. He will not require the car. Please understand that this is final. You needn't wait. Then he followed the others inside and shut the door. Now then, he said to the toad, when the four of them stood together in the hall, first of all, take those ridiculous things off. Shut, replied toad with great spirit. What is the meaning of this gross outrage? I demand an instant explanation. Take them off him, then you two, ordered the bradger briefly. They had to lay Toad out on the floor, kicking and calling all sorts of names before they could get to work properly. Then the rat sat on him, and the mole got his motor clothes off him, bit by bit, and they stood him up on his legs again. A good deal of his blustering spirit seemed to have evaporated with the removal of his fine panoply. Now that he was merely towed, and no longer the terror of the highway, he giggled feebly and looked from one to the other, appealingly, seemingly quite to understand the situation. You knew it must come to this sooner or later, Toad, the badger explained severely. You've disregarded all the warnings we have given you. You've gone on squandering the money your father left you, and you're getting us animals a bad name in the district by your furious driving and your smashes and your rows with the police. Independence is all very well, but we animals never allow our friends to make fools of themselves beyond a certain limit, and that limit you've reached. Now, you're a good fellow in many respects, and I don't want to be too hard on you. I will make one more effort to bring you into reason. You will come with me into the smoking room, and there you will hear some facts about yourself, and we'll see whether you come out of that room the same toad that you went in. He took Toad firmly by the arm, led him into the smoking room, and closed the door behind them. That's no good, said Rat, contemptuously. Talking to Toad, he'll never cure him. He'll say anything. They made themselves comfortable in armchairs and waited patiently. Through the closed door, they could just hear the long, continuous drone of the badger's voice rising and falling in waves of oratory. And presently they noticed that the sermon began to be punctuated at intervals by long-drawn sobs, evidently proceeding from the bosom of Toad, who was a soft-hearted and at the time being 
to any point of view. He was an affectionate fellow, very easily converted. After some three quarters of an hour, the door opened and the budget reappeared solemnly, leading by the paw a very limp and dejected toad. His skin hung baggily about him, his legs wobbled, and his cheeks were furrowed by the tears so plentifully called forth by the badger's moving disclosures. Sit down there, Toad, said the badger kindly, pointing to a chair. My friends, he went on, I am pleased to inform you that Toad has at last seen the error of his ways. He is truly sorry for his misguided conduct in the past, and is undertaken to give up motor cars entirely and for ever. I have his solemn promise to that effect. Ooh, that is very good news, said the Mole gravely. Very good news indeed, observed the Rat, uh, dubiously. If only, if only... He was looking very hard at Toad as he said this and could not help thinking he perceived something vaguely resembling a twinkle in that animal's still sorrowful eye. There's only one thing more to be done, continued the gratified badger. Toad, I want you to solemnly to repeat before your friends here what you fully admitted to me in the smoking room just now. First, you are sorry for what you have done, and you see the folly of it all. There was a long, long pause. Toad looked desperately this way and that, while the other animals waited in grave silence. At last, he spoke. No, he said, in a little suddenly but stoutly, I'm not sorry. And it wasn't folly at all, it was simply glorious. What? cried the badger, greatly scandalised. You backsliding animal, didn't you tell me just now in there? Oh, yes, yes, in there, said Toad impatiently. I'd have said anything in there. You're so eloquent, dear badger and so moving, and so convincing, and put all your points so frightfully well. You can do what you like with me in there, and you know it. But I've been searching my mind since I'm going over things in it, and I find that I'm not a bit sorry or repentant, really. So it's no. Earthly could say, I am, now is it. Then you don't promise, said the badger, never to touch a motor car again. Certainly not, replied Toad emphatically. On the contrary, I faithfully promise that the very first motor car I see, boop, boop, off I go in it. Told you so, didn't I, observed the rat to the mole. Very well, then, said the badger firmly, rising to his feet. Since you won't yield to persuasion, we'll try what force can do. I feared it would come to this all along. You've often asked us to thee and come and stay with you. 
Toad, in this handsome house of yours. Well, now we're going to. When we're converted you to a proper point of view, we may quit, but not before. Take him upstairs, you two, and lock him up in this bedroom, while we arrange matters between ourselves. It's for your own good sake, Toady, you know, said the ratty kindly, as Toad, kicking and struggling, was hauled up the stairs by his two faithful friends. Think what fun we shall all have together, just as we used to, when you've quite got over this, this painful attack of yours. Well, take great care of everything, for you still your well, Toad, said the mole, and we'll see your money isn't wasted, as it has been. No more of those regrettable incidents with the police, Toad, said the rat, as they thrust him into his bedroom. And no more weeks in hospital being ordered about by female nurses, Toad, out of the mole, turning the key on him. They descended the stairs, Toad shouting abuse at them through the keyhole, and the three friends then met in conference on the situation. It's going to be a tedious business, said the badger, sighing. Oh, dear. I've never seen Toad so determined. However, we will see it out. He must never be left an instant unguarded. We shall have to take it in turns to be with him, till the poison has worked itself out of this system. They arranged watches accordingly. Each animal took it in turns to sleep in Toad's room at night, and they divided the day up between them. At first, Toad was undoubtedly very tiring to his careful guardians. When his violent paroxysms possessed him, he would ar arrange bedroom chairs in rude resemblance of a motor car and would crouch on the foremost of them, bent forward and staring fixedly ahead, making uncooed and ghastly noises till the climax was reached. When, turning a complete somersault, he would lie prostrate amidst the ruins of the chairs apparently completely satisfied for the moment. As time passed, however, these painful seizures grew gradually less frequent, and his friends strove to divert his mind into fresh channels. But his interest in other matters did not seem to revive, and he grew apparently languid and depressed. Poor Toad. One fine morning, the rat, whose turn it was to go on duty, went upstairs to relieve Badger, whom he found fidgeting to be off and stretched his legs in a long ramble round his wood and down his earth and burrows. Toad's still in bed, he told the rat outside the door. Can't get much out of him except, oh, leave him alone. He wants nothing. Perhaps he'll be better presently. It may pass off in time. Don't be unduly anxious. And so on, and so on. Now, you look out, Rat. When Toad's quiet and submissive and playing at being the hero of a Sunday school pride, then he's at his artfulness. There's sure to be something up. 
I know him. Well, now I must be off. How are you today, old chap? inquired the rat, cheerfully as he approached Toad's bedside. He had to wait some minutes for an answer. At least a feeble voice replied, Thank you so much, dear Ratty. So good of you to inquire. But first, tell me, how are you yourself and the excellent Mole? Oh, we're all right, replied the rat. Mole, he's added incautiously, is going out for a run round with Mr. Badger. They'll be out till luncheon time, so you and I will spend a pleasant morning together, and I'll do my best to amuse you. Now, jump up, there's a good fellow, and don't lie moping there on a fine morning like this. Dear kind rat, murmured Toad, how little you realise my condition, and how very far I am from jumping up. Now, if ever... But do not trouble me about this. I hate being a burden to my friends, and I do not expect to be one much longer. Indeed, I almost hope not. Well, I hope not too, said the rat heartily. You've been a fine bother to us all at this time, and I'm glad to hear it's going to stop. And in weather like this, and the boating season just beginning, it's too bad for you. Toad. It isn't the trouble we mind, but you're making us miss such an awful lot. I'm afraid it is the trouble you mind, though, replied the toad languishly. I, I quite, quite understand it. It's natural enough. You're tired of bothering about me. I mustn't ask you to do anything further. I'm a nuisance. I know. You are indeed, said the rat. But I tell you. I'd take any trouble on earth for you, if only you'd be a sensible animal. Well, there you go, kids and parents or anybody else who's listening to the storyline. That was an excerpt of the um, chapter six from The Wind in the Wellers by Kenneth Graham. And the chapter is Mr. Toad. So you see, Toadie is rather rejected now that Badger has taken hold of things, taken firm action and started to control Toad from all his daftness, his, um, how shall I say, you know, running away with things and having his own way. Badger in this book is the master of control. Toad thinks he is, but it's really Badger. Isn't it great, kids? This is a wonderful story, and as I says, it's by Kenneth Graham, and the book is called The Wind in the Willows. Next week, I will read to you an excerpt of Chapter 7. Take it from there. And then the next two podcasts after that will be the probably the last two chapters of The Wind in the Willows. And by that time, I'll have a few authors in line to interview and talk to them about their books, how they write them, and how they formulate them, and what brought them to writing. But for the time being, kids, guys, people all around the world who are listening to my podcast, thank you for listening. Have a great day. And from here in Derby this evening in the United Kingdom, it's a lovely sunny day. And I am really happy to be doing these podcasts. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye for now. 
Thanks for listening to the Smart Kids. Want to follow more of their adventures? Check out the Smart Kids by J.T. Crowley on Amazon.com now.